Hello and welcome to episode 179 of The Great and Crowbar. How are you, Pip? <laughs> it's the 8th of March, isn't it? It is. Totally is at the time that we're recording this. It's probably a different time in the future. Anyway, it's, it's episode 179. My name's Chris Thurston, and here I am with Philippa War. Oh, are you pleased with yourself? <laughs> we'll find out. And Alex oh. Wiltshire. Hello. Hello. Hello, Alex. Hello. Hello again. How are you? I'm all right. How are you, Pip? Thank you. I'm good. We're all, uh, we're all extremely tired. This is a, this will be a, a podcast powered by tea. Um, oh. I've run out already. Yeah, we're we're really getting getting into it. Um, <laughs> I've not thought this because really. I I'm I'm a little bit hungover for reasons. Um, Pip's jet lagged, <laughs> and reasons. Alex, I actually don't know if you're tired. I, I can never tell. I am tired. I feel okay. tired of life today. Mm. One of those days. Oh I had a San Francisco cab driver once who told me that he was post life. <laughs> And I was like, that's a very San Francisco thing. Did he mean tired? Well, this is yeah, the thing. what does I was that like, mean? Do you mean you're dead? Like, is that, are you a zombie driving a cab for money? <laughs> and in which case, but, <laughs> how good are your yeah, exactly. memories of how to drive? And things. But um, he was just like, yeah, I'm just really over it. And I was just like, oh, over, oh, fine. So I think it was just apathy. That's post-life mm. sort of being tired of it all. So he doesn't exist on some sort of astral plane. I think driving. he thought he might. I don't know. <laughs> it was all a very odd, odd situation. <laughs> what a bouncy, a bouncy start we're getting off to. Last time we spoke, Alex, um, it was because you very softly, gently smothered me in a game of Blood Bowl. Oh yeah, that was We've a good game. We've been doing that. It was okay. a good game for you. How's your league going? I'm, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm squarely last. There now. is a very specific reason why you're not, yes. your team isn't doing well. I bought a, very expensive mine at all. He just he just got excited by all that bully flesh. Indeed, Oof. <laughs> bullish. Um, goodness! At the expense of buying team rerolls, which are I understand extremely important yeah, if those you are have the my luck. But well, yeah, you what... just you just have everyone's luck. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. How much whinging you've done about your terrible luck? Why did you not buy? Well, I don't really understand what I'm doing. This? He does now, though. No, I mean, I, you say whinging. I say interesting discussions about the improbable maths of things that are happening <laughs> to me all the time. The thing is, because you actually in the first half, you were you were. Bonking, I was going to win. You were bonking my goats. I was bonking your goats all day long. My goats bonking your goats. That's my how goats you get were goats. lying down. <laughs> They were they were taking it. Yeah, they were. And um, I don't. How think... much of this is official terminology? All of it. We were actually talking about what Chris and I got up to oh. <laughs> while you were away. Um, this was while you were away. It's one of the many. Didn't make uses. a Dorito toasty again. Oh no, that that's not. Why have you put that on the internet? No. Um, the um, I think it might have never already forget. Been the, indeed. Um, I'll tell you what. We'll never forget that the toaster. Um, the uh, smell of spicy cheese. What is it? Hot cheese, cheese tangy, tangy, tangy cheese. Tangy cheese through the house oh. every time. Of, <laughs> two pieces of Warburton's wholemeal. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst idea I've ever had, and as I had it, I knew it was the worst idea I've ever had, and that's why I did it. You're so pleased with yourself. And that's that's my super villain Pips here, not here to stop me, and I'm yeah. gonna have it. Well, the cats are away. The mice will forget how to be alive. <laughs> post life, post, indeed, yeah. a post life, post <laughs> vital. 
Yeah. Toast life. Toast life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, indeed. Um, no, uh, and so I, I made one, um, cocky decision to, uh, to try and run somewhere in the last, what would have been the term where I scored and I, I fell squarely on my fucking ass and then your goat fucked me, Alex. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> I love Blood Bowl. I, I think, I don't know if I like it. it. It's a lovely way of spending a surprisingly long amount of time yeah, it's with like somebody. It's like two hours, yeah. two hour game. Two hours of sort of sat on discord just talking about nonsense. well the, the only thing is like what you it, it takes such concentration when because you have a time limit on your turn you often are unable to talk or like one is often unable yeah. to talk during your turn and the other player is sort of going so uh did, did you see the thing on the tv last night and they like and you're aware that, that they can't really respond yeah yeah you can't maintain a conversation because you're constantly distracted by and then you get like the, the socially awkward stuff where, where when your player fell over, I felt bad, <laughs> but also felt really good. And <laughs> I struggled to know exactly the best response to make. <laughs> yeah. I think you just made a, a sort of a kind of happy noise. Oh, like a kind of, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a weird game. It's a very weird game. It's been a weird league, to be honest. I have lost all of my games and am now, yeah, dead last with basically no hope for, for redemption, which is fine because at least, at least that's a story. And that's what Bud Ball's all about. It's Stories. It's a very good story though. Stories is it? where There's you no lose. Arc. There's just no. like failure. There's an arc in the sense <laughs> that it goes down. That's not an arc. No, the, yeah, his arc, <laughs> his arc went from ignorance to slight knowledge to depression. Mm. Okay, he's looking for a Mighty Ducks style. I'm not getting it. No. It's mathematically impossible at this point. Cool run- not even a cool running. I can't even do a cool running. I can't even do cool running. That's why he keeps falling over. His graph would look like what you could you, yes. luge off yes, of. Yes, the, the protagonist of cool runnings could luge down my arc. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, that is the only extent to which this is a sports Cinderella story. Yeah. In every other regard, it's a disaster. Hmm. But and who's anyway, winning? Uh, I think Matt Lees is winning. It is, yeah. Yeah, that, I, I always I assumed it'd be him or Quinns that would win. I just assumed that they're they were, quite competitive. They're very competitive. Very competitive. Yeah, I thought I thought Kieran might might do well. Uh, I think he is doing well. Oh, he's doing he's he's doing just I don't, fine. I think he also doesn't want to be seen to try. So there's a sort yeah. of that the natural third place kind of of the person who knows what they're doing, but. Does he spend we'll all of his time on. evangelizing about Skaven? Yes. He's playing Skaven. He is Skaven, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Um, yes. Um, yeah, I, I got completely destroyed by Kieran. That was my first game. Then I got <laughs> completely destroyed by Quinns. And then me and me and Chris Bratt drew in the slowest game of Blood Bowl two people have ever played. Is it because you were so busy being polite to each other? We were extremely, both extremely polite, both a little bit embarrassed about the punching. He's got dwarves, I've got chaos. No one, nothing can happen. <laughs> And I, no, he did win that one, I think. No, he won that one basically the end of the final turn because one dwarf basically just sort of squeaked away. And then we both <laughs> lost a turn and then the game was over. <laughs> God. And then you and I liked it, a, a very civil game. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Actually, it was the best game I've played. It was fun, yeah. Best of a, uh, best of a, of a, of a disappointing bunch. It was yeah. a nice dynamic one, actually. Yeah. They can often it was, end yeah. up being kind of bundled, like especially Chaos versus Chaos could have been a massive bundle in the middle and no, no one would have gone anywhere no but we, we kept yeah. things moving around the back we did yeah goats were pounded on both sides 
But ultimately, you pounded your way to victory. Did. And I just pounded my way off. <laughs> Pip. Pip's, Help. Pip's, Pip's face is a picture. No, you've dug yourself into this nonsense. You can jolly well Pick get him. yourself out. Um, more, any more of that? And I'll continue to be in the trouble I've already put myself in. So uh, you've been to DDC. I did. That was uh, good. Yes, indeed. That's why you're so tired. Yeah. Tell us about GDC. How how are all the rendering pipelines? I saw two hummingbirds. Well, I know I saw a lot of hummingbirds, but I saw two of them really close. Is this in the... Where did you see I them? went to the botanical gardens. Oh, I did think it's kind <laughs> First of... First thing I did. <laughs> it's like, step aside, GDC. <laughs> There's nature to be seen. Um, but apart from that, I did, yeah. What did <laughs> I do? Like, there were rendering pipelines. I'm sure there were. I went to a talk about them, but I don't know what for. At this point, it's all gone a bit weird. Maybe Overwatch. <laughs> I think that might be a thing I did. <laughs> you saw Overwatch. Uh, <laughs> I've come for Overwatch, but not for the rendering pipelines. <laughs> I think I was there for the <laughs> rendering pipelines. I was like, I'm not interested in the rest of this nonsense. I went to, like, one of the Overwatch talks I went to was about how you animate first person. And so that was just interesting because it's about all the little tweaks and weird, like, broken fingers that you have to sort of put on things to make it look like it works from the first person perspective even though if you change the camera angle at all it's like what is wrong with that thing so that was kind of cool um and i went to some maths talks i went to some audio talks and more maths talks and i'm not cool am i were you doing were you doing every day all day in the conference centre, or were you kind of mixing kind it up a bit? Kind of. Last year I did loads of, like, appointments and things, but that just essentially meant that I was stuck in South Hall the entire time, and not even in the actual expo bit. I was in the press room, just sort of not really seeing anything of anything or natural light, and so... It's know, a bit been of a dead dungeon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's and quite a big dungeon. Would, like, yeah, it's a cavernous, like, weird... Like, it's just a, a room that is far too tall. Like, you could... you it, It's essentially a block of flats, but with none of the floors except the bottom one. And so, anyway. But I decided this year I wanted to see real people and hear about what they were doing. So I went to the conference talks and, oh, the controllers and stuff from Alt Control. Oh, yeah, was, that's always good. Yeah, like, that's always the best bit of the show floor stuff because often you just can't concentrate enough to actually play a game whereas the controller stuff is always just like look it's a spectacle enjoy the spectacle and so and it's varied enough and it feels uh sort of strange enough that you can really get something out of it that you can't from just taking a build home and stuff like that so this year, like, my favourite thing was a cardboard box that they'd done to look at, um, to look like a spaceship. And it was on, like, um, a series of, I guess, pressure pads and stuff. And so you tilt it this way and that to, like, control the movement of a thing on the screen. I mean, I'm guessing you could probably get a similar effect from just putting a cardboard box on a dance mat, you know? Mm. And, like, you know, just making sure that you applied the pressure the right way and then like on the front was kind of a flattened 
jam tart tin thing that was the button that you pressed to fire your lasers <laughs> into the asteroid field and stuff and that was just really lovely and you had like a colander on your head as your space helmet and it had earphones inside that was sort of making um pew pew human noises you know like <laughs> and it was just so cute so i had the best time and i didn't want to get out um and then there was just like a bunch of other things like you had um Oh, one of the games was you had a journal with a bunch of, like, uh, it, it had an index that had, like, the answers to something that you would see on screen. So you'd be in a room on the screen, and the screen would have, like, I don't know, a mirror or something. And then in the index, you'd find the clue that corresponded to the mirror idea. And then it would take you to another page that would have a riddle. The riddle would lead you to a book and the book would be on the bookcase in front of you and you'd tilt it back like you were activating a secret passageway in, you know, an old fashioned like spy novel or something. And then in doing so, that was the trigger for the game to move on to the next room and stuff. So you were essentially just moving down a passageway by like picking the right books and stuff. So that was awesome. Um, and there was another thing which was like a printer motor that was attached to a um, a piece of string. But the motor was in a box and it was like telling you that it was a little puppy that you were having a little tug of war with. And so you'd just sort of be pulling on this string and the box would be pulling back. And it was just really cute. Aww. So yeah, there were loads of things like that. And it was really good. I had a really good time. Oh, and there was um, a laser liar which was like um just this so you know like a a a lyre like in greek mythology you know the stringed instrument um it was that but where the strings were actually just sort of green like lights laser lights and by interrupting them with your fingers you'd play different notes according to like this um uh guitar hero type setup on the screen like it was actually really difficult because there was no haptic feedback yeah i did always wonder that yeah yeah and so i ended up playing it where um because where the lights were being emitted from that stuck up ever so slightly from the bottom of the of the lyre frame and so i was sort of using them almost as like how you have the holes on a recorder so you position your fingers in the right way Mm. so i was kind of like tapping on those rather than plucking at the like these light strings and stuff so and there was one more that i really loved that i should probably mention which was the emotional fugitive detector and that was this (laughs) thing where one of you was in a box looking at a screen you know it's kind of like a booth and you're looking at a screen and the computer is like scanning your face which is obviously positioned right so that you can look at the screen and it's detecting emotions like particular sort of facial movements that signify anger or sadness or happiness and all of that kind of stuff um and so what you are doing is you're trying to communicate an emotion to the person on the other side of the grill that looks into this box but without the machine catching you doing it because you're in a sort of like a police (laughs) state that doesn't believe in humans having emotions and stuff and so yeah like it'll say anger and you have to sort of like work out how to convey that with your face so that the other person gets it right on their options 
but that you don't get caught. So you can't say anything. No, it's all in your facial expressions. And so I could do surprise. It didn't seem very good at picking that up or I was better at not getting caught. And I think sadness, but anger, it's really good at recognising. And I'm assuming it's just because you kind of move your forehead by default in a very particular way and maybe that's just more universal across face shapes or something and happiness which it failed me on when my face was neutral because like i hadn't even made the face and it was like you're too happy and i was like you just like being in this box don't you that's nice (laughs) but yeah and apparently it was quite rare for it. it 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 did sort of read a lot of people's neutral faces as happy which was quite sweet and i thought it probably said good things about the the alt control section <laughs> but like very occasionally you'd have someone who it read as sad and i was like oh no they must be really sad or <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's maybe the opposite is true and what it's when it's registering it it's because like that's basically as good as it gets this is your happy face right now <laughs> and so it's actually much better for it to think that your resting face is sad because you know you can only get up from there Oh, sorry. I've I made that. I've made that oh. sad. Well, I had a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> of the two games about being in a box, which was your favourite? I like being in the cardboard box. That was good. No, that that, was, shoot, that the, wasn't the, the question. The space, the space shooty <laughs> yeah. cardboard box. The other one was a metal box. I oh, didn't okay. mention that, but it was different for me. It wasn't. <laughs> it, yes, it wasn't a similar box experience. There's loads of them though. I wrote about. I, I wrote a, an article for. RPS that has like a whole bunch of them mm. detailed out so hopefully that would be more useful. Sorry, I just went off on one. No, it's good. What, what has everyone else been doing? <laughs> well, we we talked for quite a long time about our goat action. Oh, that's true. Indeed, yeah. yeah, that was most of the week you were away, Pip, not going to yeah. lie. Wow. Um, it kind of bled into everything, really. Yeah, I yeah. played Tacoma. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> How's Tacoma? Tacoma. <laughs> I hardly knew her. <laughs> Maybe. Does that work? It does, yes. Oh, Good. Tacoma. No, I think everywhere you can go with that is bad. Um, no, it was. I really, really loved it because it has the object wiggling and picking up and examining of Gone Home, but it combines it with this... Um, it's almost like a, a tiny scale version of... Uh, punch drunk theater things mm. where it plays you a bit of like recording from just before whatever the big major malfunction on the space station was and so you sort of see these holograms of the crew you know wandering around having chats you know doing things and if you're in different bits of the room or different sort of uh, you're following different people around then you hear different things and you see different things happening which was you know kind of cool and you get to um you can control the timeline as well so you can scrub back and forwards to follow different people or to see different things or even to solve little puzzles and things so i thought that was actually really well integrated like i i'd sort of been not looking at the game deliberately because i wanted to have a nice sort of I really don't like seeing games like that when they're halfway done because it's almost like you've seen it in its pants and you can't forget that you know it's yeah. like I just I want to see the nice finish yeah, when you thing. hear that equivalent of that dialogue in the final game it would all you'll be reminded of is 
yeah yeah of like the thing where it wasn't quite working or the thing where it glitched out or you know all of that stuff so but that was really nice and I played it twice once at the mix event on the Monday and the other time was just um it was on the day of the devs stand um in the north hall and so both experiences were different and that was really encouraging because it was only a small slice of the game but I'd sort of found a bunch of different things and played it for me meaningfully differently both times so yeah that was really encouraging Hmm. really excited about that awesome glad to hear it's coming along well Mm. anything else before we wrap up on GDC did anything else leap out at you from your time there um on the VR front, I really, really loved that I went to a an appointment. I didn't really do any VR apart from this, but it was billed as a VR picture book. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll check that out. And that particular game was called Delilah's Gift. But the uh, the developer, Isaac Cohen, has a bunch of other games that I hadn't seen that are already out in VR and like other projects that are online that I wasn't familiar with. And he just does some really, really interesting things in terms of how you use the space and what you encourage people to do and how you encourage people to sort of, you nudge them into these like gentle, playful mindsets and interactions and stuff so there was one where um i think it's called it's either loon or l-u-n-e because there are lots of spaces and there's capital letters and it's okay fine um and that one you sort of you start playing with the connections between things that are above you in the space and they sort of they end up being like beams that you can you know put together in different ways and connect and move around and I'd started moving them down sort of towards me and then I realized that actually there was a sort of a layer of digital fabric for want of a better word like draped over them and so what I was doing was I was actually bringing them down towards me but it was creating like more and more of like a blanket fort effect and it was like you'd start to sort of experiment with like the shape around you and sort of feeling kind of cozy and you know all of that kind of stuff and that was really interesting Mm. um and there was another thing that was um a project for uh, SF MoMA, which is the modern art uh, thing over the road uh, from the conference centre. And they had a, I think it was like a mixed reality event um, they were billing it as. And he had something there and it was this little play space in virtual reality where you'd have like a like a golden tunnel thing that sort of pulsated and there were these green uh shoots that had like trumpet kind of bells on the end and were sort of making sound and pulsing and there were like pink grass that you could sort of run your hand through using the controller and it would like swish and it was really cool and then you'd start playing with like these nodes that you could pick up and reconnect and then you realized that some of the like when you reconnected it a certain way it shrank everything down so you end up in this like massive like giant scale kind of situation and then if you did it a different way then you'd end up with like everything being supersized and you'd be tiny and it was just this really cool exercise in 
in manipulating scale and just being fun and bright and vibrant and mm. it was so cool mm. are any of these going to be available outside of those contexts or is it so um i'm not sure about the uh sf moma thing um because i haven't seen that on the website he's got like a hub site thing um but the there are three or f- there's four games on uh on steam at the moment i think one of them's free and is kind of like a almost like a desktop toy that you can kind of play with and then the other three that are on there um there's loon which i think is like you know one pound fifty kind of thing and there's two others which are like two quid and they're more kind of um mini game type things so you've got like a ball that you bounce and it's kind of like you play keepy uppy but every time you bounce it through a hoop and keep it going it collects another ball that is attached to that one and if it if those balls hit your paddle that you're waggling around to hit the original one then you lose so it's about sort of like this building sense of chaos i guess and and it's actually really effective and really cool mm. um but yeah the the two that are kind of like that a couple of quid and i'm not sure about delilah's gift because i haven't had a chance to fully play that yet so i wanted to wait until i have done to give a verdict fair enough mm. have to get the the vibe set up again indeed that'll be good speaking of setting up Valve things, segue time. N- n- never going to do a better segue than last week, so I'm not even going to fucking try. <laughs> um, Alex, you've been linking Steam. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, th- they had the Steam link in the sale last week, mm. this weekend. And I thought, heck, I've sold, I've sold <laughs> Easy, some of those bad on. things. <laughs> I've got some money in my account. <laughs> I'm going to buy one of those Steam links, um, and it came very quickly. So my review of the delivery uh, was very good. Mm. Comes in a nice box as well. I hadn't really realised that. Have you have you played have no. you used the Steam Link? I uh, used mine to prop up my monitor. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, <laughs> which seems really privileged, but I just I don't I'm not very good with new technology. I do not adapt well to change. So I was close to doing that. So I've got a bit of I've, we're in an old house, an old bath house, and um, a bath it's electric. Yeah, <laughs> an old bath house where you have made your lair, <laughs> steaming all year long. God, um, uh, it, our electricity system is really quite ropey, and um, I don't know, probably made over a series of different years with different bits kind of added to it um and so so whenever i've tried doing sort of um uh, sort of steam over the network through a laptop attached to our tv it's just been pretty terrible but that's been over wireless network thing i wonder whether a dedicated bit of hardware like the steam link would do a better job and so i uh, plugged it in and it did the same job as my as my um my um laptop and i knew that that our network is definitely to to blame, mm. and I thought ah fine, I knew that would be the case. It comes with a really nice network cable. Oh. It's um because we had this horrible yellow one before, and this one is like 
Oh, it's flat and it's black and oh, it's really nice. Hmm. And it comes with an HDMI cable as well. And uh, we were low on them, so that's good. So, <laughs> so I thought I was up. <laughs> a good value <laughs> pair of cables. Nice. And a little monitor stand. But then, yeah, exactly. Wait, I was no, getting, all I've realized, getting ready. I've realised that I mistook the Steam Link for the Steam Controller. That's what was propping up my monitor. How? But it's all lumpy and bumpy. It was in a box. Oh, the box. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things I didn't I didn't know we owned until I discovered that they were propping something Probably up. just all under well, yeah. I mean, monitor. But to be fair, there's a lot of things that I discover that we don't own because, you know, you're prone to putting empty boxes back in things. So on the whole, I would say that we're net neutral. It's good to have the grudge thrown in return from its good. world tour. Book of grudges. Airing those grievances. <laughs> Um, yeah. hmm. but so we, um, we had a, we, we, we got some electricians in, uh, on Friday. Magicians? Electricians. Oh, uh, yeah. They <laughs> that was the really most helpful. awake I've seen you all day. <laughs> Magicians, you say? <laughs> now I'm interested. <laughs> Colour me interested. I just thought maybe... It would be like, good. I would like to have some magicians visit the house. But they're, they're pretty to sort out your To be fair, living, yeah. <laughs> living, in, living in Bath, you probably do get, like, the electricity wizard... He did have Shall a little goatee. One of the electricians had a little goatee, so it was quite <laughs> quite oh. magician-y. Probably you've got here. It's, it's with your sprites. Do you not see? Have they're all tired. Right. Do you not have to buy internet by the pound out here? Indeed, <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's why your yours is on the fritz. Yeah. because you know you just you've run low. You've run low. <laughs> Scraping the box. <laughs> yeah. Um. They discovered that. In time, in immemorial times gone past, uh, someone drove a wire through one of the mains things, electrical magic things. Is that not dangerous? Probably. We've probably every day, whenever, since whenever this has happened, uh, we've probably been running the risk of our whole house being set on fire. It's probably fine now, though. He's fine. He's fixed. Probably it's all fine. fine. It's all good. Best of all, the Steam Link's fixed. It's what? so good now. It runs totally smoothly. But is the Steam Link fixed or was it the same thing that has been fixed and you just have a Steam Link now? We, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably. It probably would have run perfectly fine through. But at least it's under the telly and I've got some nice cables. But, um, before it would like, it would be fine. It'd be running, you know, third, you know, 60 frames a second and whatever. Uh, you know and what? then it would hitch and like oh. the, 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 the image would just freeze on the screen before it kind of recovered itself. And now it's just totally smooth. And now we can play downstairs. Picking up from a conversation we had uh, last time I was here, mm. uh, I can I haven't managed to find the time yet, but I can play Resident Evil 7 with my wife. 7? 6? 7. 7. With my wife, <laughs> and she can try to get me through all the scary bits. Huh. Uh, oh. So, I, because you won't go up upstairs to where the pc is i don't like that room she says don't make me go in there <laughs> in the but resident evil is fine yeah it's exactly the pc that's the well, problem. She, so so my wife um runs a cake business she makes cakes wedding cakes and things and uh she 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 likes to watch horror films while she's making cakes so she'd be making beautiful flowery sugar paste flowers and and kind of Beautiful pinks and blues and wonderful greens and kind of flower like, uh, and she's watching horror films all the way through. <laughs> all I can hear coming from, from downstairs, uh, is it, it kind of screams and <laughs> chainsaws 
<laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. She should do it so that the next one she does, like you cut it open and blood kind of, <laughs> yeah. like, trickles out of the side. Would there should good. be a market for it. Yeah. Well, I thought your um, your electricity story was going to have a horror ending. I thought you. Were it might say, well still do. Like, might do. Well, I thought you were going to say, and then they investigated, and we'd never been connected. <laughs> we were running on magic, and they were yeah, magicians. Like the electricity haunted. was coming from inside the house. <gasps> Inside the bathhouse. <laughs> Don't want electricity in a bathhouse. That's gonna be dangerous. Yeah. But I was, I'm, I'm impressed. I kind of, I'd kind of written off the whole streaming paradigm a little bit because, you know, partly because everybody's, you know, there must be not that many households that can, like, you know, technically give a good experience. You know, mm. um, there are lots of terrible wiring systems and I read lots of things online about how modern houses have aluminium wires or something, which I didn't think aluminium could carry electricity, but I don't know. Uh, that apparently is, means that you can't run home plugs through it so easily. Oh, right. I should, I should explain our network is through home plugs. Yeah, I assumed yeah, that. But, yeah, but um, I just realized that not everyone would have assumed that. Mm. Uh, Hence the electricity. Yeah, we don't have a cat, whatever system running through our walls. <laughs> No, you don't have a cat cats or yeah hmm. yeah allergic to cats actually yeah. so am i yeah no way yeah oh, for god's sake yeah yeah last you, week was so good wasn't it i'm not allergic to cat five cables <laughs> but i uh, <laughs> but yeah um but i found it really responsive like in a way that i was surprised by because i've done a bit of streaming like on the ps4 and through mm. remote play on that and that was always it's not played like in my uh, destiny uh obsession that was sort of when somebody's hogging the tv that was fairly unpleasant but kind of a sort of dealt yeah. with the obsession a little bit mm. but um yeah like I, I found it lovely i mean it's sort of it's, the, the lag and things have been surprisingly dealable with. Hmm. Noticeable to start with, but then dealable with, I thought. Cool. Do you think you will continue to get use out of it? Yeah, I think I will. Um, it's the thing that I can do downstairs rather than stay upstairs. Um, it's the, it's, I think certain types of games are really good for it. Mm. So I tried out, um, new game Loot Bandits yes, last night. Oh, yeah. Which is really nice, cute, kind of funny, um, roguelike. Uh, which I can't really give an opinion on yet because partly because the I developers are friends, but partly also because I didn't play enough. But it's the kind of game that you can do on that because it's semi-term, well, it is turn-based yeah. with a kind of direct control element to it. But, you know, it doesn't require kind of that immediate thing. Mm. Um, I own that and I had forgotten. Well, I hadn't forgotten. <laughs> it was it's propping up a monitor. The, yes, yes. Because they did a thing a little while ago where you could buy into early access, but they called oh, yes. it something else, and I can't remember what it was. Yes, it was Prospective some, Edition or something It was something like that. like that, wasn't it? And then, so I picked up a copy, because I was like, look, I'm going to get it anyway, and I, you know, it looked really promising. And then... I think just the entirety of that week's other releases and other projects and whatever else it was that I was working on just hit me and and it's really nice to have the reminder because it's like oh yeah because it seemed really kind of like spirited like had a really yeah. good like nature to it yeah now the, the introductory movie to it is just so funny like, yeah the animation and the voice the 
yes. uh, Davey somebody. He's a animator. He's just nat- one of those just naturally funny people. I don't know whether it would translate to an American audience or anyone outside of the UK. <laughs> but like to me, to us, it's so good, so funny. Mm. Cool. Is that and that's out now, right? Yeah, Came it's out yesterday. Out yesterday. Mm. Mm. That might be one for a future pod in more depth. Depth then. Depth, depth tale. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yes, I, I was. I, I'm. I'm pleased with my punt. A good punt. Good punt. <laughs> and not just a monitor prop or a box with some cables in it. There's always time for that. No, indeed. I think I. I don't know where it is now. It'll be somewhere. I'm using uh, back issues of PC Gamer to prop my monitor up Look, print's got to get by how it's going to get by. (laughs) I think that it's like I could only use the ones that had my byline in them. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I can't really adjust the height of my desk too much. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm screwed got to write more issues. No. <laughs> oh. Need it higher. <laughs> Sam, could you just put my name in a few of them for no good reason? <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> That's a weird thing about leaving the, the magazine that you worked on for five and a half years. It's picking which issues you take with you. Um, oh, did you not have, have copies of everything? Well, we had copies of everything. I can't take copies of everything. I, I, can't, I can't take every copy No, but of you personally didn't bring copies home, I think is what he was asking. No, I brought a whole load of copies home, but I had to still had to pick. Which... On a month by month basis, you could have brought them home. Oh no, and I didn't. That's true. Um, so yes, <laughs> I get you now. But I, yeah, so I had to because I kept them in the office, right? Like I had my little. I row of them. when I worked in a magazine, I had a home set and a desk set. Oh, yeah. I, I found um, that space is finite, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that didn't happen. But no, it's still still real strange trying to prune it down to. Just special the ones a dozen or so that yeah that you would want to remember mm. or even do remember which was was there an easy one was, was the, there an easy the, favorite well, the three that i edited because i was acting at yeah, the game for three yeah. months so that was obvious um my the first data one maybe yeah my, actually i didn't i think i've got the data one somewhere my first one and my last one oh my last one in-house um so the most recent one and and issue two three four 70 issues busy game which is kind of nuts uh, terrifying isn't it yeah yeah um i'll try not to spill anything on them I've, I've i've put them somewhere where you would be unlikely to spill anything interesting <laughs> <laughs> high up then no no very low down <laughs> that's where i spill things <laughs> well they're on that bottom shelf i can there. see them <laughs> <laughs> well fine <laughs> you'd have to go into the corner of the room I managed to spill something onto the bottom shelf of a bookcase. Yeah, but I mean, I'm over there messing with your Star Wars dolls, mostly, aren't I? <laughs> They're not dolls, Pip. <laughs> They're detailed game pieces. <laughs> <laughs> like what an adult might own. Okay. Only <sighs> anyway. my own grudge throne. <laughs> what have you been up to, Christopher? I've been playing Ghost Recon. Wild lads, well, the wild lads on tour, (laughs) the the recon tour. Wild lands, Tom Clancy's, Tom Clancy's lads, lads, lads. Tom Clancy's (laughs) ghost recon, lads on tour. 
World at War. <laughs> Bant's Recon. Bant's Recon. Do you know what, though? Since Tom Clancy died, that kind of implies, you know, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon. Yeah, like, exactly. He's, he's out there. He's it's doing It's an episode of thing. Ghost Hunters where you go looking yeah. for Tom Clancy's ghost. <laughs> Yvette Fielding's in the corner, like, yeah. shrieking her head off. Derek Akora's, like, having a chat with someone in the corner. Be great. Why didn't I write this game? <laughs> if you can hear us, Tom, move the... At hollow sight on this <laughs> <laughs> custom M16. The socio-political situation <laughs> in Central America has changed. The it's Ouija board goes mental. <laughs> <laughs> the new hotspots are New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> you have the Ouija board in front of you, and like the the little lens thing goes to E, and then M, and then P, and then just keeps going to EMP over and over again until the Cold War ends. <laughs> Um. Uh, so yes, I've been playing Ghost Recon Wildlands, which came out this week. It is Ubisoft's most recent Ubi game. Um, Uber game. Ubi game. Um, and so far, I really don't like it at all. Aww. I would say that it is a bad computer game. Um, and I will presently explain <laughs> <laughs> why I think that. <laughs> so. I- <laughs> So there's, there's several angles to this, and I would. I, this is based on six hours or so, um, and also with the major caveat that what I haven't done yet is play it in proper co-op with a friend. I have done its public matchmaking thing, and that wasn't great. And I've played it mostly solo, um, and I sort of planned it that way. I thought, like you know. It advertises a co-op game. It is supposed to be you and up to three other people going on these sort of ghostly reconnaissance um, adventures in in Bolivia. Um, but um, even so, uh, with the understanding that it's a you know a full priced open world game and that um, you know everything is better in in co-op. I wanted to at least see what the single player experience was like. Yeah. Um, like do the first. So the way it is structured is it's, it's structured quite a lot like Crackdown. If you remember Crackdown um, in that you have a huge open world and a, a cartel to take down. And that cartel is an, a web of, you know, lieutenants and sub lieutenants and so on. And each zone has key characters in it and you go and find intel from bases or reveal the locations of missions which you can go and do and then you can do those missions to unlock encounters with these key characters who you can then kill and in doing so you you know that's how you progress through the game so you're after this sort of initial starter area kind of thing you are free to go in any direction and kind of start tugging at those strings in any order that you want uh which is a fine structure for a game um it's obviously it's 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 had its critical path stripped down a lot to make it very co-op friendly. You can just all load up into the same world and run off in different directions and do different things if you want. Um, where it, um, but there's a, uh, and it's obviously intended that you will do this with friends. Um, however, I'm a bit wary of of that being the sort of the the cop out or the co-op out. If you will, um, because, <laughs> um, will because like I say, every game is better in that way most of the time, right? Like you can make doing anything better by making it a fun thing that people can do together with all the slapstick yeah. kind of nuts, you know, fun that comes with playing a game with another group of people. Um, it, it you know, that can make a mediocre game fun and worthwhile. 
but it doesn't stop it being a mediocre game. And there's nothing stopping a very good game from then being even better in co-op. Yes. And so I think, I think Ghost Recon will find people like it will, it will probably, and I'll get into its flaws, but I think it will have better, you know, it will have value to people who are in the perfect position to play it at its best, which I, I think is you and a few friends haven't played it and you're all willing to put in the time and only and play with each other and regularly dip in. Um, in every other context, including playing it by yourself and um, being reliant on its sort of matchmaking to find co-op strangers, um, it's pretty poor. And so a part of that is, I think, because of that structure where it's it's had all of its kind of what what might be kind of any kind of structured moment or scripted moment has been stripped back and to make it just a, a big f- fucking box of UB content. You know, the first thing it teaches you to do in the game is, um, you know, infiltrate an outpost, shoot some people with, with your silence weapons, find a, uh, an officer and interrogate him for Intel. And it is showing you this because this is one of its versions of climb the tower and synchronize. This is one map activity that you can expect to do uh, a bajillion times. Mm. The next mission you do or like leads up to the next mission you do is go to a place and rescue a prisoner who gives you a piece of intel. And that is another one of its little verbs, you know. Um, you might go to a place and photograph a map on a wall and that's another one of its things. You might go to a place and steal a key vehicle and deliver it somewhere. That's another one of its things. And, and you know, very quickly teaches you all of the different things there are to do in the game at a basic level. And in my experience so far, it hasn't really mixed that up at all. And that's boring. Do they all have different, do they have like similar icons? Like the, the car one, really, are they all like wheels on the map? Yeah, it's, it's, it is a map full of things. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a huge laundry list of, of collectibles and objectives to hoover up. Um, in terms of your interaction with, so in, in that sense, um, the other game that's a lot like is Just Cause to some degree in, in the sort of the, the military kind of destabilize a country kind of sense. Um, what it doesn't have is any of Just Cause's exuberance really. Yeah. So because it's a Ghost Recon game, uh, it's quite, so I'll get into its tone in a minute, but you know, from a, from a, from a design point of view, it's quite a serious tactical shooter ish i mean it's been uh, so you can you know ramp the difficulty up to a billion and switch all the ui off and play it in like ghost recon mode if you want by default it's a pretty competent third person shooter it's not dazzling it's not bad at being a third person shooter um uh with vehicles and stuff that you can drive around um it has one kind of cool feature uh, which is this thing called uh, well you, like, you've got gadgets like a little drone you can fly around to tag enemies and things like that but You've you've tagged enemies with drones and binoculars in. I've tagged you, enemies with an owl, and yeah. I can't go back. You have from done that. The, you have done this in Watch Dogs, Far Cry, etc., etc. Right, lots of the Ubisoft games have this mechanic in, in one way or another. Its thing is called sync shot, as in synchronized, which is when you tag people, you can then you can set you know a scaling number as you level up using upgrade points and skills and resources found around the map. Uh, you can increase the number of people you can tag, and then um, and then well sort of mark for death and then your ai squad mates standing in for co-op buddies will run off and find and line up shots on those on those enemies and then the next time you either you can either activate it manually or the next time you fire they will fire and take out those people and they're they're pretty good at it and so it creates some sort of 
kind of it's not mind blowing at all, um, but it creates some nice sort of stealth moments where you, you know, you pick two guards maybe either side of a base and then you assassinate the officer in the middle. So when the fight breaks out, there's sort of a nice sense of chaos as you know crucial targets that might otherwise cause problems for you all drop at the same time. Um, however. And that's an idea in co-op. I think it translates to your ability to mark opponents for your human allies to, yeah. to take out. Um, like, however, the AI isn't really advanced enough um, to furnish a meaningful challenge for a stealth game. It does have GTA or Just Cause style AI. When you've when you're in the kind of spotted state and they're kind of after you, they'll just sort of run at you or you know run around and there's not there's no sort of real intelligent. Um, distribution of information or anything you either you're in a you're in a gta style alert state or you're not they will go and look at your last known location yeah on, on in in huge numbers but that's kind of it and the alert stage stops and then they kind of return to the, yeah they go away again, again. It, it, i think it masks its fundamental lack of finesse uh with a lot of um a lot of reactive voice acting both for your companions and for the ai so the ai will say like you know, we've, we're, we're, we're at their last known location and we haven't seen anything. And you think that means that they're really looking, but it really just means they've run to waypoint A and done bark three. Um, your teammates will spot for you if, if, if they see things and they will, and it's quite, that's quite impressive is, is it has, they've obviously recorded a shitload of voice work for things like churches and barns. And I mean, it's, it's a lot of churches and barns and houses and things and sniper nests and things, but. It'll, and then it'll turn that into a little conversation where a character will say, I've just spotted somebody. And then someone will say, where? And they say, top of the barn. And then it'll do that dynamically. And if that sounds kind of, it, it you know, mm. they've managed to, you know, that, that's quite successful. But again, um, it's a, it's, it is a quite a sort of smoke and mirrorsy presentation thing, standing in for a fundamental lack of depth, yeah, I would because, say. Yeah, because it's a, a co-op. Uh, AI spotting an enemy for you is a fairly familiar kind of concept. Yeah. And also that AI, your co-op, you know, your squad, um, while you can give them orders and things, the game cheats enormously in order to make sure they're never in position. So, you know, if you like squad combat, you know, squad tactics games like, you know, Armor or the Ghost Recon of Old or anything like that, this abstracts what it means to have three other people in your squad to such an extent that you might as well be one person with magic powers um like so if you get on a motocross bike with like a one person bike and fuck off when you get off it they will sort of spring out around you if you get into a if you get into a helicopter and fly away they'll just be in it in a couple of seconds they just teleport in you know when you start playing you like you, you do the sort of thing of like trying to dramatically extract your squad only to realize you don't have to and also to only to realize that the ai can't really handle that like it can't successfully get in a helicopter under duress because it fights its own kind of programming, whether it fights or not. Um, they can't be spotted by enemies. Uh, they're invisible to enemies um, because I think to have them be visible to enemies would risk the your your own squad mates screwing up your stealth sometimes. I can imagine them, yeah, kind of sort of flitting about from cover to cover as yeah, the game yeah. tries to work out. So, um, and if you look at the minimap, paying attention to the minimap, they do appear to teleport quite a lot. Like, into, if you give them what is like two quite difficult sync targets, sometimes they'll struggle to find, like, you know, to get an angle on the other target you want. But when you say, like, you know, get a bead on that guy on the other side of the base for me, 
you wait a couple of seconds and it happens. And if you watch the actual guy, it'll be like, and he's on that hill now and he's getting there at shot ready. So there's no sort of real sense of attachment to them as part of the world, really. They're like, and it feels what, like full of concessions to make sure you don't get frustrated as yeah. a player. And that's, and that then makes the sink shot thing, which is its thing, right? It doesn't have just causes grapple. It doesn't have just causes kind of mad acrobatics. It doesn't have, um, you know, Rainbow Six's fidelity or anything like that. What it has is this synchronized shooting mechanic, but it really just feels like a smart bomb. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, it is just pick enemies that you want to die. Wait until the light goes green, press button. Um, without any real sense of attachment to the world. Like one of the funniest things I've seen, I've, uh, it's, it's buggy as well. And one of the things that funniest things I've seen so far, um, was I, I was, I, I got into like the highest alert state in the middle of a very wide open freeway and I ran away. Ran, 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 ran in the opposite direction. Um, and the, the baddies came along and they all piled out of their cars and did the kind of like, we're checking the last known location thing. And, um, and I turned around to look only to realize that the other ghosts, um, had stayed. They hadn't run back to catch up with me yet, but their AI was obviously trying to, but because they were in stealth mode, they were all crouched in the middle of the road, squatting in like feet from the enemies, <laughs> very, very slowly squatting and walking backwards. <laughs> and so you have these sort of muscle bound you know, drug cartel men shouting about like, we've lost them again. While dudes in like very conspicuous ghillie suits just walk backwards right in front of them extremely <laughs> slowly. He's getting total unintentional slapstick. <laughs> I've been lethally ran over by a man I rescued um, after he teleported into the driver's seat of the car I wanted to take and immediately drove off at full speed and killed me. Um, the very first time I got into like one of the like kill a boss, you know, kill one of the, the, the boss men, um, moments, which it, it gates in ways to prevent you from a, to prevent you from just encountering it in the open world and solving it without doing the prerequisites, which is lame. If you're going to have this big open world, let me skip to the end. If I happen to find the place I'm looking for, but also it, it uses, you know, doors and sort of inaccessible areas to kind of give you a little, cinematic presentation of these people before you shoot them um i got shot to bits right at the beginning and you, when you in single player when you get shot a bit like a multiplayer your ai buddies will come over and revive you but what happened was they came over killed everybody in the room including all the targets and then remi- revived me so um my character was kind of stuck in while well dead or like dying kind of half in the conversation with your handler about that target's down and it was trying to advance the plot for the next bit but i couldn't really hear or see a fucking thing because i had died <laughs> and so this is this was like the first of the games you know you know this is the culmination of a bunch of open world work and i didn't get to do it because the ai just did it for me um so that all that stuff has been just extremely unimpressive basically <laughs> for the amount of um for the amount of investment that's clearly gone into what is a huge game like it's it's a, it's a massive bag of stuff world yeah and there there are things i just don't think are forgivable being this wonky like the shooting is fine but it's not amazing right like it's not there are far better shooters that you could be playing right now uh the driving cars and things is okay but it's you've done this you've driven a car in an open world game it's like that um the flying is awful 
And given that helicopters and planes are a part of it, you'd think they would get that right. Like most of the games get this right. It's weird. It feels like it feels like it's a huge dead zone on lots of the controls. Um, so it's very kind of like finickety. Um, the, the, the helicopter control scheme can't really seem to decide if helicopters are planes or helicopters in terms of like what pulling the stick in different directions does. Like you can, in, if you used to a helicopter in GTA or Battlefield or something, you get a sense of how it can work with the control pad. Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel great at all. Like the helicopters you find early on have like forward firing Gatling guns that are impossible to aim. Impossible. Like you can't, like, cause they fire directly forward, not towards where the center of the screen is. So you, and helicopters swing around a lot as you rotate them into the next position. So if you want to strafe, you have to kind of catch it at the point in the animation where it happens to be sort of swinging downwards. Uh, it's pointless. Like, yeah, I don't, like, I'm surprised that it's getting some kind of warm reception because I genuinely think it's a pretty bad game that I'm looking forward to playing with friends because I think that will redeem it. But I don't know if you can. Ever it'll be, but it'll, it'll redeem it probably despite itself because it'd be fun to experience yeah. all the jankiness together. But, you know, I think I'd far rather be playing a GTA heist, I think. Just, I mean, simply by virtue of the fact that all of those systems are, every, every system I've interacted with so far has either been mediocre or poor. And that's not good enough, really. Like, you know, you need to do one thing amazingly mm. well, whether that's tethering cars together so you can blow them up. I appreciate that's not appropriate for a Tom Clancy game, but maybe, therefore, this isn't a good fit for Tom Clancy. Yeah, you because for a Tom Clancy, you need it's about precision and and yeah. careful, controlled situations, and you know, dealing with disaster or managing it beforehand yeah and this feels like it devolves into chaos a lot yeah because that is the nature of open world games and because that is the nature of co-op games really hmm. but like surely the I, I don't know like listening it just feels a bit like i wouldn't necessarily like playing with friends will elevate a lot of things you know, even if they're not much fun, you know, if you've got the right group of people. But I do feel a little bit like if if it's a game that has been designed specifically for co-op, I'm not sure of the merits of focusing too heavily on the single player. I mean, like, sure to get a feel for, like, weapon systems or driving or whatever else, because that won't change. But in terms of, like, you know, whether you can sync up what you're doing or in terms of, you know, whether you get caught by something, it sounds like um, the systems that they've put to sort of fudge it for if you don't have those friends around, like, just wouldn't be able to compare to real people, particularly not real people who might actually get good at the systems. Mm. So, you know, it might just be that if you had four people who were determined to to sort of put in a bunch of time or that that happened to be their default way of like hanging out of an evening for a significant chunk of time it might be that the precision like you'd tend to chaos in the beginning but then the reward would be maybe that you could execute on things like 
really tightly later on and it's you know it's entirely possible that the game won't do that and that it'll still be like baggy and messy and not particularly anything to write home about once you get into the multiplayer stuff as well but I don't know to me it feels a bit like if something is definitely billing itself as a co-op experience it I don't think it's necessarily just that having friends around elevates a poor game. I mean, maybe. So I have, I like, I, can't, I see what you're saying. And this is partly one of the reasons I said that I think for the right people in the right circumstance, sure. Um, but I think that necessarily makes it a more niche proposition than it's being marketed as. Because this is their, you know, 50 pound AAA does everything mega game of mm. the moment. And, um, and you know, it, it, while I think it does advertise as a co-op game and it's desperate for you to play it in co-op, it's constantly doing a pop-up to tell you, why not connect? Why not connect to public matchmaking? Why not connect to public matchmaking? So clearly it does want to be that. And that's why I put a, a limit on how far I was going to play single player. Like I, I thought I'd do the first set of lieutenants of 50 and see what was that experience like. And then that, you know, that is all I can say at the moment because I need to find people who want to play it with me to, to try it out. Um, but I, I don't know. It just feels like, you know, it is. I, I've got, I've got concern. Like it may well be gratifying if, particularly, if you're willing to maybe play it with some of the assists off and try and do it, do it quote unquote properly. But my my thought is that even in that scenario, I would probably still rather be playing like a structured mission, not yeah. an open world game. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be playing. And I do have concerns about the meaningfulness of the challenge offered by the AI. Um, who I just seem to just run around aimlessly if they're alerted. Like they don't appear to be able to find bodies, which is a pretty huge <laughs> stealth game thing. Like, that's, that, yeah. I mean, that must be a decision rather than I mean, like, like, yeah, like it's I, a feature. It's not, not a really. A, like not... <laughs> bodies seem to vanish pretty quickly. So oh, I don't do know they? if that's a right. thing, yeah. but like I've definitely, definitely like when I started playing, I started playing with lots of stealth game logic in my head or like tactical action yeah. logic in my head. Like don't kill that one because there's, See, yeah. yeah like they see if you kill somebody obviously yeah but like i've definitely like killed someone on a patrol path and Can had a guard pick up the bodies no and had a guard like come back round and like walk over where that person had died and i couldn't see if the body had vanished or not so either the body had vanished or the guard didn't care which both of them as things are lame yeah so that that's you know i don't know that's why i would say like obviously with the caveat i do need to spend some time with it co-op but I feel like if 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 that's if the experience you want is of like um cooperative tactical action like there are much better games for that kind of thing. Tell me about like I don't I mean I tend to play multiplayer like with friends almost always I very rarely play yeah. online without friends. It seems to me that a game like this a co-op game isn't what you would play with randoms no because you know it re- you got you got you've got the the dullards and then the the super serious ones i mean i mean it, it didn't it didn't are you fun. talking about your friends yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't it didn't it didn't work at all, all. Dull friends like when uh, like the first time i connected to it um there were two of the people in the world you lose all your own squad mates and it's just you know they are your squad mates of them one of them was just in a helicopter <laughs> hovering <laughs> AFK. Good. Perfect. And the other one was lying on a hillside in a zone that I didn't need to go to because I'd already done everything there. 
just shooting the same people as they respawned and ran down a road forever. So when you when you when you when you squad up with randoms, they are just captured wherever they're at in the game. You get like a little indicator that says this person's roaming in this zone and this Across person's roaming the here. entire map of Bolivia. Yeah. yeah. So it like, uh, admittedly, like I didn't. I didn't try and be like, "Hey guys, let's go do this mission." Hey, let's but, let's set up some sync kills. Like if it, if it had if it had dropped me in and there was a group of people doing stuff, I would have happily played along and gone to do whatever it is they wanted to do. And that's what I did. Is I you know I got in a helicopter and flew to the nearest human to see what are you doing. And it's like, oh, you're just lying prone in the desert shooting at people. What are you doing? Oh, you're just you're FK. Oh, oh, okay. Um. So yeah, no. I mean, this is what I mean about like. Got to get to the end of the rainbow, which is actually playing it with friends for any like you know for yeah. for a substantial amount of time, and maybe 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 there it is good. But it strikes me as a staggering investment, um, both in terms of their time and money and also the players' time and money for a experience that is possibly only good in a quite hard to arrange, reliably circumstance yeah. you know like the thing is if it's only good in that circumstance and you've just sunk 50 quid into it then you're going to be the one badgering your mates to pick it up because it will be good it will be good yeah it will yeah be good. it's the ultimate owen hill that's game yeah i was gonna, exactly what I was gonna and say that's four times 50 quid yeah. you know yeah this is the thing like i it feel <laughs> like, it, i'm interested in the business case for that as opposed to doing something because it cheaper. could equally work the other way around yeah, i don't think i can like, talk my friends into it Exactly, so I it. won't bother. So it's an instant trade-in for people on console and stuff like that. It feels like, yeah, mm. I mean... I'd um, be interested to... Yeah, I'd be interested, like, for somebody maybe in 10 years' time to do a GDC talk of, like, the actual business logistics of that, you know. Mm. But I suppose if Ubisoft does know a little bit about those kind of ad hoc sort of co-op mm-hmm. things because of Siege, you know, that that yeah. people do go into... Uh, Ma- you know, um, but Siege is for that. more that they follow like they followed Siege with For Honor if you see what I mean mm. like For Honor feels more like they've taken the financial learnings from Siege whereas yeah. this feels like oh shit we just you know from what, what I've heard what rather, we do a ghost recon like a now generic kind of yeah this well this... we've had we've got some systems let's just cobble them together and put some like Tom Clancy icing on the top and it'll be fine no one will know it's and like they got those two writers in who wrote like narco state thrillers and it know. was just like yeah they, it's they um some things. <laughs> it's interesting like it is a to- it's another throw all of the Ubisoft ideas in a bag and shake it and see what comes out of things like there's a little bit of steep you know the extreme sports game oh, yeah that was a, yeah that um was in its weird. dna as well because of the way the open worlds are structured and because you're encouraged to kind of like have fun getting everywhere do any mountains talk to you no you oh. can't ride any llamas i believe no. i remember that from, from the press briefing Texacana. three years ago yeah <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> to, to say all of this is to actually kind of dance around one of the reasons that I initially completely hated it as well is, so the other, the other Ubisoft thing is their games are either quite nicely, gently, quietly progressive, um, as For Honor is, um, just in the sense of having the diverse cast of characters. Yeah, and Assassin's and not, Creed and yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, and Assassin's Creed has its moments. Um, uh, you know, even, even something like Siege, where it's certainly not the thrust of it, but like, you know, there's a diverse array of male and female operatives and sort of, you know, well presented. Um, and then on the other hand, you have the occasional absurdly culturally insensitive Ubisoft games, like various Far Cries have been. Um, and oh, holy shit, this, 
is a poorly judged <laughs> act of fiction. Because one crucial thing that all of the games that it is want it wants to be do, um, from Just Cause to Grand Theft Auto to Crackdown, is they're very careful to fictionalize the stuff you're doing. Even if there's some real world commentary, GTA is not set in, you know, Los Angeles. It's set in Los Santos. And there's a, you know, disconnect. Like yeah, there's at least yeah. some disconnect. Like, yeah. um, uh, you know, um, Just Cause always invents its banana republics for purpose and they're always ludicrous and larger than life uh, because it suits this type of game, which is so much about kind of, yeah, play and messing around and blowing stuff up and it's easier to palate. That's more palatable when it's not trying to also be realistic. The Clancy thing is realism it's it's geopolitical believability yeah, real, yeah real shit and it's also it's always extremely paranoid and extremely right-wing and, and relies on the same couple of tropes over and over again a lot of the time but it's spy fiction you know it's sort of it, it goes to those places and and that is fine for splinter cell a lot of the time or rainbow six or even previous ghost recon games where they tell a kind of um like quite a a simple story or subtle story? Well, usually the story is uh, there's a bunch of terrorists, yeah. kind of recognisable kind of geopolitical kind of terrorists threatening threatening the Western world. But then it undermines that with a... But actually, they're on the orders of, of, of groups within our own country. So it yeah, gets yeah. away with... It kind of does, you know, gets away with not being too jingoistic by kind of like ultimately apparently criticizing your own, you know. Yeah. The electricity was coming from inside the house all along. Yeah, indeed. Um, the spy electricity yeah. was coming from the CIA. And like, yeah, and but so there's the backstory for Ghost Recon Wildlands, which I, uh, so partly this is, it's an accident of history, real history, uh, that this comes across as so poorly timed now as a, as a setup, but it's, so the idea, so the, the, the thing you're asked to take very seriously is the notion that a Mexican drug cartel gains so much power that it takes over the entire country of Bolivia to create a narco state. Um, and that the Bolivian government can't do anything about it. So they decide to just go with it or like, we'll go home. <laughs> you're yeah. going to want to go home. Good. Um, Leave. and, um, like all Bolivian people are just sort of wandering aimlessly from between town to villages, doing going into a kind of cower animation loop whenever guns fire. <laughs> and everywhere else is just a billion Mexicans um, with guns. Like, your squad mates are pretty mean about that and kind of shitty about the entire thing. And, the, you know, the, the intro to the game even has a sort of explicit big map and it uses the t Tom Clancy traditional documentary footage and stuff to show how this is all pumping violence north into America and how South America has become this kind of <sighs> hyper-corrupt, hyper-violent crime box that has to be contained by like a... Bolivia. By, Bolivia. I don't know. By a, by a, a CIA, an interventionary kind of CIA unit that gets sent in when things get really bad. And it is, it, it's such a strange, um, strange thing to try and set in a real country when 90% of the time you're crashing helicopters into stuff and kind of flipping things over. Um, but then on top of that, the unique among Clancy games, it also does go for like GTA's sense of humor. Like it's super grim all the time. And when I say GTA sense of humor, I mean specifically GTA 5. And like specifically that torture bit in GTA five, 
like you know when they try and make a bit of a joke out of ripping someone's fingernails off and like that kind of thing and it's like Ew. like it's it's weirdly gross like there there are there are there are there's party banter between the the roaming gang of murder twats that have entered bolivia um and you hear this regardless of whether or not you're playing in co-op or not oh what so you're you're you're, you're human yeah kind of... even if you're alone miles away from anyone else you'll have the banter and the banter will no escape from the banter. there's no escape on it and the, they swear a lot and there's a lot of like you know is there is, is like, one of them could tell me about the i mean the characters are they is one of them kind of sort of sort of uh south american or no. you know oh no really in fact i, I you, you can create your own main character um and um i made a explicitly south american looking woman hoping with cool tattoos and you know camo paint and stuff hoping that the characters would be completely unvoiced so then i could pretend <laughs> to be like bolivian and make this whole thing less shit but um no you you're definitely 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 americans um you can have one of your face paint options is the bolivian flag if you want to really blend in what does that in. mean <laughs> what um, does it mean i don't know um <laughs> But yeah, like you can, um, they talk about the weirdest shit. Like there's, and it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about torture. There's a lot of barks about like, essentially there's another fucking Sicario gangster over there, you know, and like they use a lot of like Spanish, but like in a really kind of barbed way like it's it, it does it teeters on the edge of openly quite racist quite a lot like the, there are funny radio djs and big scare quotes like there's an extended bit about why south american women should be proud of their mustaches i'm not fucking joking that's in the game <laughs> and they're tr they're trying to be edgy oh and it's a disaster like if it, the whole thing had been very deadpan clancy you, you got on board with it but you just ignored it but I keep having getting taken out of it by like, holy shit. They're like, trying to entertain you yeah. as opposed to paint a kind of a yeah. believable picture or something. Yeah, it's, it is just, I mean, you, you know, I don't to get too much into the, you know, it's not about should they, shouldn't they make it. It just seems tone deaf and tacky and kind of like, come on guys. Like, cause they're trying to be funny. That's the worst thing about it. They're not trying to show you the reality of the world. They're trying to make you kind of feel like it's all one big bants adventure and it just doesn't work you can't have that alongside that this is this could really happen tom clancy seriousness alongside you know it, it sums up the game for me because it seems to be on one side wants to be gta and on the other side it wants to be rainbow six and it's just mashed those two things together without acknowledging the ways that open world design and co-op fight tactical action or can fight tactical action and the way that making it telling it trying to tell a story about real geopolitics clashes if you also want to have lots of edgy humor that's just going to come across as pointlessly offensive so yeah in short how many bands out of seven not a lot no bands no, no bands guy <laughs> um yeah no uh, so i'm gonna give it a little bit more time but i do think i might hate it and it's rare for me to just bounce off a game like this but yeah hmm mm. i think it's very much not aimed at you if it does have a target audience in but mind but it's weird that Ghost Recon has always felt like a sort of fairly 
Welcoming is entirely the wrong word. <laughs> Come on, but in. a sort of a well, not Tom not Francis very welcome, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> but not a very uh, characterful series. But mm. still, not one that had not a repellent one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last, the most recent thing they made was the free to play shooter set in um, the future. Yeah, was that Phantoms? Is that what that was called? I think it was called Ghost Recon Phantoms because I'm pretty sure the word ghost was in the title twice. <laughs> um, bless him. Yeah, it was like, yeah, Ghost Recon Phantom Spectre. Yeah. Um, um, and like that was a pretty harmless third person free to play yeah. sh- shooter set in the future because all modern military shooters were set slightly in the future a couple of years ago. And this is obviously the new thing they've decided to do with the license. I don't know. It just seems strangely misjudged to me i think it's just one of those things where from or not just but like from what you've said like i just wonder whether they've decided to court and i i'm gonna be so careful with how i phrase this because i don't want to just like trample into a hornet's nest but like the sense from everything that you've said is that perhaps they have a target demographic in mind that is fine with both that sort of lazy shock jock nonsense humor in air quotes but also sort of like that doesn't see it problematically sitting alongside a sort of wannabe serious Geopolit- do you know mm. what I mean? Like it, it You're saying feels... that it plays well to a post-Trump America. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, or, it, I think or at it... least an immature one. Yeah, like it, it feels like by the time you start thinking about whether those are ducks that can exist in a row, mm. like it, it, you would maybe just be pleased to have the serious thing and some funny bits and to share it with your friends. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I think I, I, you know. You can see the business case. I can see the business case. I I, I think it's a, a shit business case and they should be ashamed to have made a bad video game. But like... Well, it's Canadians as well. It's Toronto, wasn't it? Uh, Paris. Oh, was it? Yeah. Hmm. Not that, that tells you anything. It's even more left. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, just... That wasn't to stick up for it at all. I'm just no, no. Sort of, I mean, I'm interested in why one would make. Yeah, I think. Thing. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly think. You know, I don't. I don't believe anyone involved in it necessarily thought ill. I think it's. I think maybe we're maybe just getting a bit more used to games being slightly more thoughtful about that stuff, mm. and this level of like total kind of head in the sand this can't possibly have any real-world associations because I believe the government of Bolivia is suing them. Like, That's interesting. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like it's not gone unnoticed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it feels like a, a, either a very cynical thing to have done or a very naive thing to have done that you can just say... Take a country and go, hey. Yeah, like if GTA decided to suddenly be set in a real city and present it as... Like you Cardiff know, or something. Yeah, Cardiff, and just prevent it as... Um, irre- irredeemably crime-ridden and, and you know, like, I think that would upset people. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know if, if crime is a different thing. Or, uh, 
it's hard to figure out the parameters of that. It's hard to figure out why this feels so kind of weird and egregious. But I think maybe it's because it leans on its on its relevance so hard only to then tell you that Bolivia is entirely populated by Mexican drug dealers, which is just kind of a bit mad. Like if it was if it was cartoonish and silly with it, you wouldn't necessarily notice because it's so desperate to convince you that it's talking hard talk about mm. torture and well, it feeds into really damaging stereotypes yeah. that are yes. having real-world repercussions and it's worth pulling them up on it in a way that it isn't necessarily worth pulling people up on every, like, awful stereotype to the point of borderline racist sort yeah. of thing that they might do in creative media. That's that's the thing that I think they probably couldn't have planned for is that, you know, there was no knowing when this game was put started being put together maybe three or four years ago. That, I think it's quite, it's that, quite that would become a, a political football that would, you know, that, that, you know, that, you know, that making a game where your kind of wacky fictional conceit is that, you know, South America is a, you know, hive of, of criminality that needs to be put down by America would suddenly become a really uncomfortable political thing rather than simply another fantasy setting like, oh God, the Soviets have got a EMP again. They like, could have reskinned it though. They could have made like the country be all like snow and ice and stuff. And then they could have changed all of the people into penguins. Mm-hmm. And then they could have just made it like Ghost Recon Antarctica. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd have played that. It yeah. could be scientists taking over. Exactly. Scientists. Like the penguins are just like, fuck this shit. No. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, and then the pe- the scientists would be in their bases and mm-hmm. in their research stations and the penguins would be like scoping them out and trying to like fuck with them and like makes a lot get of rid sense. of them yeah this would be good yeah, i indeed. don't understand why i'm not writing for this game <laughs> tom clancy's club penguin yeah <laughs> <laughs> license is free now after indeed all. yeah quite mm. well not sure that how, that's how ip works but it's club penguin island mm. now isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so oh. yes anyway that, those are my thoughts on ghost recon i probably won't return to it um in future pods but i'll be interested to see because i know that people have enjoyed it and i know that it's received very good reviews and i don't understand so maybe be interested to hear from people who've maybe had a different experience with it or or genuinely are enjoying it shall we do questions from questions yes alex yes yes the questions okay the questions first question comes from alex wasn't me though it wasn't different a different one what history podcasts would you recommend? It's a nice getting off Good. topic thing. Mm. OT. Yeah. <laughs> I like You Must Remember This. I like You Must Remember This as well. That is about the golden age of Hollywood. Mm. And sometimes the uh, the researcher, host, narrator, lady Karina Longworth does accents which mm. are sometimes good and sometimes less good but i really love that she just goes for it the only time i have not she been researches glad it so yeah well, the so. research is phenomenal and the insight into a really interesting part of our cultural history is is great the only time i have not been glad that she does accents or voices for people is during the extended and otherwise very good series on charles manson because <laughs> it's about the history of hollywood in, in a broader cultural sense as well and you know <laughs> that is a sort of defining 
moment in the history of, of the 60s and the, you know, the latter half of the 20th century in terms of Hollywood's perception of itself. It's a brilliant piece of documentary writing and journalism. Wasn't the time to do voices. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just wasn't the time for it. Um, we just say that and it's probably the worst example to bring up on of what was otherwise a really great podcast yeah, if you're interested in film. Yeah, I should probably not have said that because like, it was more just because I was listening to it this afternoon and I had her impression of someone stuck yeah. in my head. She has a uh, a cigar-chomping movie mogul voice. I love that That she voice. does for people like Louis B. Mayer and, and things like that. But when that comes out during the kind of the more serious moments... <laughs> <laughs> But it's a great, it's a, it's a really great podcast. But yeah, those are really, really good. Um, and yeah, like what else? I listen to the Dan Carlin uh, hardcore history stuff, but mm. sometimes it's a bit much, especially when I find him sometimes a bit grating. So like some of the podcasts last about like five hours and are multi-part things. And it's like, they're again, they're really well researched. There's loads of context. There's loads of quotes. It's really sort of um, thought provoking a lot of the time. And he'll add in a lot of like information about his own biases or like where the sources are from and all of that kind of stuff and it's fascinating stuff but just occasionally it's just too much for for like one sitting so i'll sort of nibble away at it for a while Mm. um so there are those i'm trying to think what else there is i'm just gonna look on my i like um telephone 99 percent invisible which is design but it's usually historically led really Mm, Um, that's true telling about why things are like they are Mm. um and so yeah me and uh, marsh davies have a little thing uh well one of one or other of us will listen to in our time so it's obviously this is like radio program but it's available as a podcast and uh we'll compare um appreciation for uh um melvin's sort of throaty kind of noises kind of clearings of throats (laughs) and sort of strange kind of outbursts and things and his general mental state as well he often be sometimes he'll be really ratty during a episode and he'll kind of hurry people along where he feels that they're not saying their pieces clearly enough and quickly enough that's always nice little kind of counterpoint to some often quite uh, impenetrable subjects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, like that sounds, that does sound good. I also, like, I'm just looking at my phone and I've got things like, they're sort of, they're not history, they're history adjacent. So it's stuff like law, which is about sort of folklore or like, um, urban legends or you know like just the sort of the stories that have accreted that are kind of a bit creepy or a bit weird or a bit yeah like um i don't like listening to it when i'm in the house on my own (laughs) (laughs) um and the other one is just the myths and legends podcast and so that again that's you know very much focused on the myths and legends and fables and fairy tales and things like that um but it's really well told and sort of again tries to think critically about sources and and things like that and so they're both just sort of good for for that kind of thing in terms of i don't really listen to a lot of like pure history though 
I don't think. I've always, I mean, one of the first podcasts I really got into was the History of Rome, which I presume is still available. It's oh, a yeah. very, very long podcast yeah. series. It's very good. Uh, that's a good accompaniment to your Sunday of playing Civ or Total War or something like that. Yeah, and I think there are a few natural history podcasts that I have subscribed to at various points in time, mm. but none that spring to mind right now. Frank writes, Greeting, Greetings, Pip and Crowboys. Oh. I was listening to Chris and Tom's back and forth about Tides of Numenera on last week's pod, and I found myself intrigued by all this talk about what consciousness even is. The idea of a morality system, which is actually as vague and complex and layered as morality in real life, also piqued my interest. On the other hand, I already have Planescape Torment, but I'm one of those people who never made it out of the mortuary. Perhaps I'm too much of an ADD kind of person for such a slow-paced and text-heavy game. So do I buy this game and just barrel through the tedium because the subject matter fascinates me, or do I just watch a playthrough or a cutscene montage or something? Or should I perhaps give Planescape Torment another try first and see how I do with that? Also, wouldn't this game work better if it was a book? Keep on podding, Frank. So uh, there's a lot of no answers to this question, I think, for me. Um, what is the mortuary? Is that does the, that just it, mean it's, that it's he, the first area? Yeah. It's the first oh, okay. area, and it's where you wake up at the beginning of Planescape Torment. So, and it's pretty cam. It's a it's a pretty complicated and sort of it's a hard start. I'd yeah, say. yeah. Norman Numenera has an easier start than that. It eases you into more gently. Norman era. Norman era. Norman, Norman era. era. <laughs> a Norman era. <laughs> Um, that's a podcast maybe yeah. <laughs> like a history podcast that's the opposite of the uh, Battle of Hastings <laughs> <laughs> that was a Norman success in the I'm Norman get- era in the Norman era <laughs> <God>. stop it <laughs> brought about the beginning of the Norman era <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we have an actual dad on the podcast <laughs> You embrace your natural dadness. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh, I, I need. Oh. To, I think I need a shower after that. <laughs> this wash what, away the this dadness. This is what our bubble game was like. It was just hours of. I like that you've managed to blame it on Alex when it entirely came from you. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't involved. <laughs> so, oh yeah, this is what happens when we have a dad. Yeah. I'm just no, find no, it on. doesn't. <laughs> um. <laughs> Fine. Um, so, um, to answer those questions in reverse order, um, no, no, yeah. Would this game work better if it is a book? No, because it's fundamentally about player choice and about your personal sense of what's going on and your personal, uh, particularly because it has no clear cut morality. Um, it only works because you are able to position yourself within that and see the reactions and have your actions challenged. So no, it wouldn't. Um, should I give Planescape Torment another try to see how I do with that? Not a terrible idea, but I do think that Tides of Numenera is a easier way into this kind of thing. And it's a standalone thing. You, you really don't need to have played. Yeah, they're, they're, only, they're only thematically linked to each other. Yeah. Um, should I watch a playthrough or a cutscene montage? No, that's actually going to be worse. Well, there's no, there are no cutscenes, so that's one thing. So you can't watch a cutscene montage. Um, uh, Watching someone else's playthrough is going to give you the worst possible experience of that game because it is so much about sort of in- intuition and interpretation and interiority and other things to do with int. Um, you know, Tom Senior put it really well on the last pod when he said that it's, it's, you know, the reason it's so 
heavily written is because it is all about the process of coming to an understanding of things and and reading and understanding and then making a decision watching someone else just make the decision part is not going to tell you anything about the game whatsoever um so with that in mind should you should you buy it anyway the reason i don't think you should is because of the phrase should i buy it and just barrel through the tedium <laughs> and it's like if if the reading and the the making decisions and the walking around talking to people is tedium then don't play it because that that is the game. game that is you know it's like and you also if you don't enjoy that stuff you won't get much out of it so you won't even get the thing that people are talking about and that's not you know it's not it's not the fault of any given player it's just you have like so the the counterpoint to that we have another question coming up from someone who didn't think they would like it and really did um for precisely the same reason so i don't want to say no definitely not but like if it if the notion of like really genuinely truly having to read and think about all of the text is off-putting then don't play it because it's not an rpg where you can just skip to the bit where you fight the goblins like the reading is the action so is there anything that you can think of like maybe a game but also maybe a film or a book that explores the similar subject matter to what the the person who emailed him found interesting but that wouldn't obviously involve playing this mm, particular good game question um let me think it draws from a lot of like 70s sci-fi so there's books like um isn't that inferio by jack vance it's a it's a good fantasy novel anyway. That might be an interesting. It's not exactly the same themes really, but it's got some similar kind of notions and atmosphere mm-hmm. to it. Um, let me think. Uh, you could read the Numenera core books. Um, they are certainly a thing to do, but that's that that is definitely more reading. Um, <laughs> I don't think films that are, have some of the same themes. Ideas of identity and power and the kind of the use and abuse of of that influence and power is, is tricky. Like the big themes, but not in the specific configuration. Mm. Um, in terms of what it means to be conscious, which is, you know, a theme, I'm not sure. It sounds more like philosophy. I mean, that's or the thing, though, is like it, this series stands out because it's I mean, it's very distinctive. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that is. you know, a lot of its ideas do fit into the bit in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where the whale materializes out of nowhere in the sky. Everyone remember that bit, Hitchhiker's Guide? Vaguely, cruise, two cruise time. missiles. One of them turns into a plant pot. Oh, the other yeah. one turns into a sperm whale. Nope. Yeah. Um, and the sperm whale goes through its entire process of figuring out what it is. As it plummets to Earth, no. All right. Well, that's basically the <laughs> plot of *Torment Has No So, um, oh, okay. like, I mean, I, to he the extent, a whale. but n- n- no, oh. but to the extent that I think the intro I'm to *Torment*, not Tor- interested. I, I, to the extent that I think the first scene in *Torment* is an explicit reference to that, because if, if it isn't, then it's weird that. that <laughs> yeah, because why are they talking about sperm whales? Not exactly. <laughs> um, so I think probably not, and that's a shame because I do love that game, but. It's okay. That's it's okay. You know, it's okay to not. Fine. I mean, I don't say it in my review. Like, I love this, but for fuck's sake, don't buy this if you don't want to read 
Because, you know. And it is chief. perfectly fine that you don't want to read. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Dan writes, hello, CNC. This one is potentially for the grudge book. I've become increasingly fed up with games making me kill animals for reasons, crafting or whatever bullshit they can think of. It's something that's always made me feel uncomfortable, but as games have gotten bigger and more, realis- more realistic, I find it harder and harder to enjoy games like Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, and most recently Dragon Age Inquisition, where killing animals is required to progress. I know killing people is not much different, but usually they're shooting at me and I want to make them stop. So why do I have to murder a bear minding its own business? How do you feel about video game animal murder? Thanks, as always, for the great pod, and kudos especially for last week's surprise pod from The Void. It was great to hear from Marsh, Tom especially. Pip was a delight, as usual. Regards, Dan. That's nice. Most of the bears and stuff in um, Far Cry are fairly homicidal. Mm. They they give you a reason to kill them. I must say, <laughs> uh, I've been playing the New Zelda, and um, it feels weird to play. I mean, obviously in Zelda, you do in previous games, you do just kill everything, but usually all those things are hostile. And mm. the, but this is teeming with wildlife, like little squirrels and stuff um, mm. rushing about, and. Um, and it does feel weird that the game is perfectly happy if you've slaughtered them and gives you the reason because they drop food. <laughs> so um, that feels weird and I do know what you were talking about. Mm. Mm. I think I just, I don't really. Sometimes I'm not sufficiently involved in the game or the game's universe that I mind. So for example, certainly at the beginning of the game, if I'm just flailing my sword around or whatever and I happen to catch a few animals in the <laughs> in the uh in the in the spin, then I'm not bothered about it. But then like if I if I'm sufficiently into the game where I, I'm myself a bit more or I'm a bit more vulnerable or a bit more chill, then suddenly it does become a different prospect. And I mean, I find this when I play most games is that I just sort of, it doesn't occur to me to try and fuck with the wildlife. Mm. Like I, I don't go over and just start like Wailing. hitting a shrew or, you know, whatever else one might do you i don't even have the terminology for this <laughs> wailing on a shrew wailing you did on a randomly shrew. hit that old man in zelda yeah but that was different that's a human <laughs> so it does he was feel... giving me sass <laughs> but when i suppose when it comes to sort of defenseless animals it feels feels like sort of video games or games kind of reliance on violence as an expression or one of the few expressions that you have in the game suddenly feels sort of it kind of starts to show up that you don't have petting in it yeah. you know like what what other things can you do in the game that express it like that, that you can interact with these creatures that doesn't involve kind of thwacking them you there know there are a few like no man's sky lets you you know feed, feed animals them, yeah. some things and then they'll follow you around and you can sort pet of... them you can tame yeah. and pet them in far cry primal which mm. is and petting a saber-toothed tiger is and there's nice. like there's other bits and pieces like in uh one of the things in tacoma was when i was scrubbing backwards and forwards through one of the scenes um there's a little cat that's asleep in the corner on a chair and you know it's sort of like it, it moves a little bit but it you know it never vacates its comfy spot and stuff and, and that's just quite endearing and mm. nice and and you know you start feeling 
fond of that stuff. But I think sometimes, like, so much is also dependent on how the game treats the animals, because... I find myself quite unnerved if the game has gone to all the trouble of, or the developers rather, have gone to all the trouble of, you know, making something look really lifelike, but then just treat it as, you know, flesh currency or, you know, uh, crafting materials or something. That's creepy because it's like, here's this absolutely beautiful thing that we've tried really hard to produce in our game. And now you hit it until it dies and gives you, you know, currency in some form. Mm. Um... And similarly, in other games, the, you know, just the, the method of killing something is brutal enough that it's, it, 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 it's a step beyond, you know? Whereas in others, it's like, okay, well, you're just working your way up from killing a small thing or dealing with a small problem up until, you know, whatever else. Like, I remember when I was playing Fable 2, and it was like, one of your first quests is to just clear some um beetles out of a dungeon you know and it's it's more just because it's a it represents something smaller and then you ramp up to sort of human conflict i guess so it's i don't know like it's presented in a lot of different ways it doesn't mean it's presented well very often but it's i i don't know yeah it is complicated in some ways what yeah, do you but... like to do with animals in games? <laughs> um, I, I'm really not like I'm not a big fan of uh, bolted on crafting systems. Um, and I'm so I'm kind of with this questioner on that, but not something I'm tremendously bothered about. Like I tend to leave them alone. So I think yeah. the thing that bothers me more related to animals in games is just that oftentimes a game will have animal or nature sounds as part of its soundtrack but then they won't be accompanied by anything living in the actual world (laughs) so you'll go through this forest with like amazing bird sounds and crickets and whatever else and then it's like teeming around me and you look around and it's like a few sticks and you're like well brilliant you know like although i I was walking through a little forest in zelda earlier on and um there was there was a really insistent kind of bird call and it's the kind of game where you think there is a bird there to be found, and I bet there's going to be an owl that knows everything and is probably a is, pain yeah. in the ass. Yeah, a pain in the ass owl. <laughs> probably a guardian of something. <laughs> <laughs> Do me a favour. <laughs> Fine. Help owl. <laughs> and then it'll like flap off in a sort of regal outrage, leaving some feathers behind you. <laughs> <Ugh>. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my mind just went to a strange place then. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, uh, a sexy place. No, I, I help for owl some reason, place. no, a help owl place took me to. Um, <laughs> uh, you can be my bodyguard, and I could be your long lost owl, and <laughs> that is just playing on loop in my head because I'm very tired. <laughs> poor, poor Chris. Or you can call me owl, and that was. <laughs> oh God. Um, it's a bit. I'm much. glad you pressed that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Kane writes, let's move on. Kane writes, stop. 13 years, 5 months and 25 days ago-ish, Steam was first launched. It'd be 4 years before it sprouted a store, and even longer before a strange cult formed around worshipping a knife-wielding beard man from Microsoft. Back then, it was just a competitive GameSpy server browser, and everyone hated it. 
What fact about the games industry today would your 2003 era self refuse to believe? Also, how many days after the launch of Steam was your account created? Regards, Kane. So we can do the last part first. My Steam account was created late January 2004. So, pretty I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say mine's only nine years old. Same. Yeah. Babies. It's cool. We're cool. My Steam yeah. account's a teenager. No, it's because we're young. That's my you. Oh, Hotmail's probably what? my oldest internet account. Yahoo, maybe? Yeah. For me? I don't think I've got many of my really old internet accounts anymore. My Gmail's old, as old as the Gmail beta, whenever that was. Yeah. Oh, those are the days. That day we got... Do you remember code. Google Wave? No. <laughs> really? Is that, is that an old person? Thing? Yeah, Google Wave was... Oh God! Don't say it's an old person bizarre. thing. Yeah, but also like I think we might not it understand be it now. Next big thing. <laughs> it was like this working platform, but only only three people at Google used. And you could were... like wave. So like, what was the wave part of it? Remember. I can't remember. I I, told... I think I signed up to it. There was a lot of excitement, yeah. wasn't there? I was as well. Oh, I'm on the beer. I'm, I thought of a thing. I thought yeah. of a um. So. Uh, Sega was quite big back in 2003. Mm-hmm. You know? Dreamcast yeah. had failed by that point, but you know, these days. Dreamcast of, didn't fail. It, it went was a home. noble. <laughs> um, uh, these days, one of Sega's biggest, you know, um, properties is Total War. Mm. Total War. I think the thing for me would be to, I think my, my then 16 year old self wouldn't conscience. MMOs aren't going to get any better than this. <laughs> You're living in a golden age. Really? Guild Wars 2 is very good. Yeah. That's still... Well, Star had promise. It was still standing. But they were all the same game. game pretty yeah. Much. Like, when, uh, when I was that age, I thought we were going to get... I thought I thought MMOs were just going to get more and more complicated and more I mean, deeper and deeper and more and more immersive. But No. Because 2003 was the arrival of World of Warcraft, and that was the yeah. beginning of the end. The uh, <laughs> and then I, I suppose you could say for like what, what's the, like one of the big years for open world games, like where they kind of really blew open, like GTA 2000 3, and uh, GTA three coming out or something like that, and then nine, yeah, yeah. That, something like that, yeah, and then open world games didn't really, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really... It's just more of this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. I didn't see myself working in games. Yeah, I was going to be a linguist. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know. You do language. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> in t- 2003, I was pretty sure I was going to be a rock star. That didn't pan out. It turns out that you can't just decide that you're in Led Zeppelin. It's not a thing you can do. Well, Led Zeppelin aren't very popular nowadays, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Look, all right. Some complex emotions out. went over his face. Just like, it's all about Ed Sheeran, really. Isn't it? I went into HMV today. Craig David's making a resurgence. Yeah, he is, Indeed, yeah. yeah, but you know, you really pinned your horse to the wrong car. Fusty old cart <laughs> wagon. Wow. Um, <laughs> you, I, I was in HMV today and they're apparently making all the staff wear those Ed Sheeran t-shirts that Ed Sheeran wears. What, 
watch that? I think it's for his new album or Does something. Does it just have his name on it? The man looked very unhappy. Does he work yeah, there? I think <laughs> so. He's a photograph of himself. Yeah. There was a good photo of him wearing his own t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. Bless him. How do you know what Ed Sheeran looks like? I. He's kind of funny looking, isn't um, he? On the internet. I don't know. What's your I'll put it. I'll put it this way. If Ed Sheeran... If Ed Sheeran was the guy before you, you uh, waiting for an interview at E3, you wouldn't bat an Yeah, it is him. He's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, because I think I saw on, um, I use Apple Music and there was, they do these kind of interviews and the Zane Lowe, I think Zane mm. Lowe yeah. kind of does these interviews with musicians and Zane Lowe is very kind of, it's, he's a, he's a potentially rugged looking kind of sort of, cool dude and then there's <laughs> then there's e3 journalists wow, i think i just got older <laughs> then there's e3 journalists God. beside him yeah yeah like i tend not to i'm always looking for the lion chest tattoo whenever ed sheeran is around so i'm just i think i i've That's started chest not pit, I mean, remembering what he, he looks like because mm. i'm just looking at the lion hmm. maybe that is it big Oh, it's enormous, and I photoshop it onto other things. He doesn't look like he'd have a big tattoo. Well, and yet. <laughs> <laughs> I will show you pictures later. <laughs> We've all learned something about Ed Sheeran today. Which I think was what um, what was the, the question was what, about, really. Yeah, what <laughs> fact about the game. In 2003, do you think that you would have asked a question which would have yeah. mattered in quite a lot of information about Ed Sheeran? Yeah. Well. You're going to play out your 20s having a conversation about Ed Sheeran's chest tattoo on the games podcast that you no, I didn't do really foresee any of that. No. I mean, I didn't really make a plan, so maybe it was my own fault. Mm. I mean, I've... When I was about six or seven, I decided I was going to be a maths teacher, and every deviation wow. from that has just gone. Every in deviation the big book of yes, every standard deviation. Oh, it's a joke! One. I don't understand. No, but it has gone in the big book of grudges. To be honest, yep. <laughs> just the pamphlet of grudges back then. It's just incomprehensible to me how, how this happened. <laughs> Oh, it's still happening. It's just, it's just <laughs> happening to me still. Every day I wake up and it's happening. And it's not going to stop until I read a different question. Oh. Noel writes, hi, gang. Hello. I bought Torment, Tides of Numenera, almost immediately after I read Chris's review. And I've been loving it. This is unusual because I don't get on well with slow, thinky, reedy games, regardless of quality. Because I get bored of clicking and reading. What is the most unexpectedly great recommendation of a game anyone has ever given you? Cheers, Noel. So I was going to mention, so it wasn't necessarily a huge recommendation, but it wasn't someone else's prompting. The game I thought I would hate and then didn't was Dota 2. And I won't bang on about why I like Dota 2 too much because God knows you've heard that before. But that's probably the most surprised I have been. Why did you think you wouldn't like it? Because I was never good at... I played a lot of Warcraft and Starcraft and found it extremely stressful. Um, I I li- like I liked it, but I, I found it, you know... Hmm. I, I With all those games, I always get to a point where I realized that I sucked. And I didn't find that gratifying. Um, and I thought of those kind of free-to-play character-driven things as like a huge time and money sink uh that 
just like that they existed in my head in the same space as browser strategy games and you know pure time drains that you know what you use up time you could be playing a real game and i imagine there are people who think they way about dota now but they're wrong basically because it's amazing but back then i was i was young i was naive it's my most played game on steam mm. i've got like over 2000 hours on it yeah and same. the next one behind that is adventure capitalist with 550 550 hours yeah. i mean i just leave it going in the background so you know <laughs> so um, <laughs> but yes oh well anything spring to mind alex no I, I no not really no i've kind of i tend to have a good handle on yeah. what I do like and why I like it. Like, um, if a friend recommends something to me earnestly, I'll give it a go. And I tend to go into things hoping that I do like them mm. and wanting to see what the other person sees in them. And then it tends to be that it still, if if it was a thing that I wouldn't have picked up for myself, it still doesn't seem to resonate. Mm. And so... I I I think I have probably been surprised by things, but there are far more occasions where I've sort of been proven not right, but it it, it shows me that I have an understanding of why I don't like the things that I'm not interested in. I'm sort of I'm quite sort of Catholic, like, you know that sort of I'm just interested in all the games, and so. And the recommendations, like, oh, yeah, probably would like, you know, quite interesting. Mm. I mean, like, for instance, I have no interest in football. I don't play FIFA very much, but if someone says, let's play FIFA, I will enjoy playing FIFA mm. with them because mm. most games are like that, you know, that with the right person and the right context and that kind of thing, most things can be reasonably good unless they're terrible. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like 4X and stuff. Like sometimes people are like, oh, you know, try, well, why don't you try this one? Or I think this one might be a good sort of entry point. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I mean, I'll I'll give it a go and I'll sort of look for the things that you've specifically highlighted. But like it, it does always seem to result in this genre just still isn't for me and I'm still mm -hmm. not finding a way in and, you know... It's yeah, it's one of those things where I sort of try really hard to be like accepting or open minded or to look for the things that someone is describing as fun. So I don't think it's me being having preconceptions. It really is a kind of I just don't like some kinds of games and that's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Finally, Jens writes, Dear CRT and CRWBR, With March now upon us, the time has finally come when we can look back at and entirely objectively summarise the past year, free from the haze and buzz of New Year's Eve. As I recall, 2013 and 2014 were dubbed the year of the bow and the boat, respectively, with 2015 being called the first great year of small games that knew exactly what they were. What labels would you find folk bestow upon 2016? My nomination would be the year of the big budget sequels improving upon yet still selling worse than their predecessors, Titanfall, Dishonored, Watch Dogs, and Deus Ex. P.S. The, the module installation tool for the Python programming language is called PIP, 
And every time I have to type a phrase like "Pip install pandas," I can't help but smile. I would install pandas. Yes, you would. <laughs> That's the sort of thing and I would happily do. That's how. Thanks for making walking to work on Monday morning something to look forward to. Yay! Um, so the sort of I actually think that his assertion that the year of the well-intentioned sequel didn't sell very well is actually a pretty solid yeah it's really good because it's yeah. call of duty and yeah. infinite warfare as well um, um you and i uh, five far cry primal yeah, yeah. jesus yeah it's like a, i think very quietly there's a, a supernova going on in the kind of upper game industry um i think a lot of people are i think things aren't as steady and set I'd be really interested to see what happens in what to Wildlands, for instance. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I think um year of the uh time travel level. Yeah, I was thinking that I so there's Titanfall two. Yeah. We can talk about this now, right? Yeah. Two. Yeah. But I don't I'm sure there's another game from that year. But I can't think what it is. What was the boat? What was this boat that happened? No, 2014 was like Assassin's Creed Black mm. Flag, wasn't it? Oh, right, yeah. But that's only one boat. There was lots of boats for a year. There was a year of... I can't think of any more boats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a year with loads of boats. Uh... There was a year of, of dogs and dads as well. Last year it was a very <laughs> dadsy year. Dad year. It was a very dadsy year in games. Uh... Um... Prominent dads of last year include Corvo. Yeah. I think this is my problem is that I don't really play AAA games much. Mm. Like I'll kind of keep an eye on it, but I won't play them to know the trends. Like I could probably tell you that quite a lot of pleasing procedural generation gardening games came out on itch, but you know, that's probably not going to be a, a broadly <laughs> accepted standard definition for the year. I don't think I've got my my finger in the barometer of <laughs> finger in the barometer. Oh, pet. careful with all the mercury! <laughs> Don't put the mercury in your sandwich. You really pinned the barometer to the horse there. Oh, it's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a really long day. I started work at three a.m. Um. So yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of eye rubbing going on. Yeah, so, I mean, the... <laughs> this may ter- come across. In terms of 2016, <laughs> trying to think, because what were the themes that linked those games beyond simply how they, they fared um, as kind of commercial, you know, um, projects? I don't know, really. I, I thought we might be heading to the year of the weird black goo. For a while, I would go pray. Pray um, features in Deus Ex because of the kind of smoke tentacle monster stuff that Emily can do, but that sort of spread out over time and limited to Arcane and their current interest in. <laughs> it's very specific. Yeah, um, so I'm not sure really. Um, we we kind of had in some ways, like there was quite a lot of buddies. You know, BT in Titanfall. And... Oh, yeah. So, uh, me- a, a duo male relationships. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because you had the fours. We get back in. Actually, wasn't there that time, uh, in the kind of late OOs where, um, because 
all the games tried to do the bud, you know, the co-op games. Like so, and they would shoehorn in a second player, mm. and so all the levels would have two mounted guns next to each other, so both both players could have a little go together. Yeah, yeah. It's really and then, tragic and when you weren't playing two yeah. players. <laughs> Yeah. Just like, oh. Oh, oh. Sad, sad turret. <laughs> so maybe we're just getting, you know, that swinging background again. Mm. Beautiful, good days, great yeah, days. Yeah. It's co-op buddy time of day, time again. In the year, of course, that um, Gears of War Four came out. Gears of War Four. Oh, hang on, was that Gears of War? Last year? It was. It was actually the year that VR very much didn't happen, despite the industry being very oh, yeah. pleased for it to happen. Yeah. Mm. So I don't, but I don't think you can characterize something by a lack, really, can you? A space. <laughs> it's like, oh well. <laughs> like I think just because the games weren't there, like no. there's really interesting projects, but there isn't a, a a reason to to must have it unless you are making. They sold well though. Like VR, VR's install base is pretty. Mm pretty big i wonder how many people like are a still using theirs and b what they use it for you know whether it's for the you know the big screen sort of like movie watching or for you know like just playing regular games but in that headspace maybe i genuinely don't know i mean i know that like i i don't know if i necessarily even agree that vr's failed because like i'm not saying that it was failed i was saying that last year felt like the industry was very much pushing for it to happen and happen now mm. but it didn't and it's going to be deferred until people sort of figure that out a yeah bit better. I, I would be interested to know what um it happening means um because like the psvr has, has like sold like a million pieces of hardware and it's hard to get hold of one yeah now um you know like, both, both the oculus and the vive ha- sold in the hundreds of thousands but i would i would remind you that like connect sold 20 something million right very very quickly still being used as well for developing particular experiences and other research projects yeah and things. it's a really interesting a piece of and it enabled star wars it's a bit Connect. of a curio or a shortcut to something but the thing is i think the connect kind of like wait to to use the terminology from before like i think for me vr will happen when it figures out what it is and is happy with that, if you see what I mean. Like when Mm. we collectively come to an understanding of what it is and what we are and aren't waiting for it to do. And I think at the moment sort of there's that it feels like there's a collective sort of waiting for the game that makes it make sense or the bigger experience that makes it make sense. Whereas if it's going to be a thing where you can connect people in very specific ways or have very specific experiences or even that it's a thing that isn't good particularly for gaming but is good for other types of media or other types of project, then I I think it'll just be about figuring that out. I think we need to figure out what it does well and how we use it well. Yeah, I agree. Because I think think a lot of people are kind of you know because a lot of the VR experiences are about linear storytelling and well it's about like just translating stuff yeah and a lot of but I think there's no real social kind of understanding in the mainstream of kind of 
putting on a VR headset to have a story told to you or you know I like you might watch a film that I've seen that's been the most interesting has been art projects or it's been like meditation things or like there was uh there's stuff that like sound self that is about sort of you create a meditation loop between your voice and what you see on screen and um that's very much a, a kind of uh, it's very difficult to describe experience and it involves getting into a very particular mindset and I fell asleep while playing it which wasn't the wrong thing to do but it's a it's a different thing um and the uh the stuff that I was talking about earlier with Isaac Cohen's work like that's very sort of um it's very hard to tell people about it and to come away like you feel like you've explained it yeah adequately and things like that so i yeah but those are all experiences that use space in an interesting way or that use the specific feedback systems that you can create in an interesting way whereas you know sort of holding a touch controller in my hand and clicking to teleport to over there and then throwing a thing that that doesn't feel like it has the same delight or the same anything that makes that experience something that i want to have in vr as opposed to anywhere else or that i can have only in that medium Mm. cool that is all of the questions we've got time for oh if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode, you can do so by emailing us, questions at com. You can tweet us questions at Crowbar, and you can hang out and chat in our Discord channel, which is, well, the link is in the top bar of the website. We'll get you an invite. Lovely place to talk to people. Um, the Crate and Crowbar is very kindly supported by our Patreon backers, who not only allow us to kind of, uh, you know, commit time to this podcast every week, but we just launched our, um, monthly miniatures spin-off podcast which is appropriately called monthly miniatures and we've got some more spin-off things on the way you can find out more about our patreon at patreon.com forward slash great and crowbar if you would like to follow us as individuals i'm at c thurston that's c-t-h-u-r-s-t-e-n pip is i really want to sneeze at twitter.com and alex <laughs> is rotational which rotational i don't know i can't oh, okay. remember it was a long time ago i think it was a oh it's a real net real word that no one else had well all right then what is your twitter handle pip oh it's at philip war great i can spell it no, if it's, you, but... no it's fine right. it's fine <laughs> i really need to sneeze <laughs> thanks, thanks for sneezing everybody <laughs>